Zimbabwe's finest, finest radio. ZFM Stereo. The, 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 the Wise Zone, where we talk about life and rights. Good evening and welcome to Wise Zone, the show for the youth and the youth at heart. I am your host, Brian Malvin K. Sitole. The world has had to make a number of radical changes. We have had to come up with a new normal. COVID-19 has changed the way that we do things. Nations have been sent into lockdown. A lot of people have had their lives changed. Um, now, as the pandemic has continued to ravage different na- nations, Zimbabwe included, one wonders how minority groups are doing. How are persons with disabilities managing in this lockdown? Are their needs being catered for? And how are they, how are they making it? Now, to help us understand a bit about this, I am joined by Deaf Zimbabwe Trust's Executive Director, Barbara Nyangayiri. Good evening, Barbara, and welcome to The Wise Zone. Good evening, Brian. Thank you for having me. Good evening, listeners. Great. It's good to have you, hey? Thank so, you. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've been in lockdown for a couple of months now. We've had to change the way that we do things. How have you been managing um, with the COVID-19, you know, with the statistics coming up? A lot of people have, have been stressed about this. How have you been managing yourself? I think it's been very difficult, especially for me, given that I love to interact with people. I am an action person. Right. So just sitting at home and working from home without seeing the faces of the people that I'm talking to. You know, in the beginning, even the online meetings would give me headaches. Right. Uh, By the time I'm done with the 30 minutes meeting, I need some painkillers because my head is really bursting. Um, But with time, sometimes you get used to it. That's... That's the new normal, that's the... So it hasn't been easy, um, but it has also not been easy for persons with disabilities, like you said, um, in Zimbabwe, given that um, the prevalence of disability in low or middle-income countries, especially low-income countries like ours, the prevalence is very high, and this makes life more difficult because before COVID, life was hard. Right. Try to imagine after COVID... It's really very, very devastating. It is. It's quite devastating, right? Um, and so when the lockdown was introduced, when Zimbabwe started recording cases of, of, of COVID-19, we, we've had to adjust a lot of things. You know, we've had a lot of information coming across. How do you think the media is doing in terms of information dissemination on COVID-19 when it comes to persons with disabilities? I think we've come a long way. Um, we have had... Um, some improvements in in some respects, uh, especially with regards to access. And I'm very excited to say that a lot of organizations, institutions are beginning to think inclusive. They are also beginning to think, oh, okay, as I am putting out this information, is it accessible to everybody? And how do I make it more accessible? How do I reach out to the deaf? How do I reach out to those who cannot see? How do I reach out to? And, And that has really improved so we are seeing more audio formats. We are seeing a bit more sign language out there. We're also seeing captions mm-hmm. um, out there. And, and that really creates um, inclusion. What we're really not seeing a lot of is children-focused, you know, information on COVID-19 so in the public space. 
the information is not child friendly right yes, it's packaged yes. in a way where children don't understand what's going absolutely. on absolutely but um before we get to that you've mentioned that you know there's been an improvement we are coming from somewhere what are some of the steps i know that dev zimbabwe has been one organization that has been active in in trying to push for this what are some of the the hurdles that you have faced in ensuring that persons with disabilities can also access information um related to covid 19 I think we, we had to take legal action against the, the national broadcasters at BC, given that for the deaf community, they don't have access to radio. Right. National television is one of the most important sources of information for the deaf. But we have had to take legal action for something that is basic. Mm-hmm. It is provided for in our constitution. Freedom of expression, access to information, that is provided for in our constitution. We should not be forcing a national broadcaster to actually provide information in you know ways that are accessible sign language is actually provided for in the constitution as one of those 16 official languages we shouldn't have to take legal action you know for for that to happen so i think there is need for institutions to really reflect and understand that they are serving a nation that has diverse needs that has you know um that is very diverse in its makeup. Mm-hmm. And as a result, as we are thinking about COVID-19, we need to think about the diversity in our interventions. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the issue of legal action um, that was taken against the national broadcaster. Were there other um, areas where you tried to sit down and, and talk about these issues? And what was the buy-in? You know, Did you see any results, even from the legal action itself? Are there any results that we are noting to say that now that we've done this, at least the deaf can now access certain information, those with visual impairment can now access certain information. Has there been an improvement? Yes, yes, yes. I've seen a number of institutions actually providing sign language uh, support in, in most of their communication on COVID-19. I recently saw an advert by the National AIDS Council. They actually have it in sign language uh, only. They also, I've seen ZBC itself has really been doing um, much better in terms of providing um, sign language uh, interpretation. All the, nas- the news bulletins now have a sign language interpreter. Um, and so we really are working towards that. But one of the things that we think should be happening is that um, the Broadcasting um, Authority of Zimbabwe, BAZ, should actually have regulations that say anybody, even a song, creating content for the, for TV must ensure that they are captions mm-hmm. uh, because that way you create inclusion for everyone. If you can't have an interpreter, put captions because we don't have the digital, you know, uh, technology to actually have captions on our television stations right. like in other developed countries. So we have to actually manually have them put them there so like you mentioned it's something that might be taken for granted that you know we're just creating a jingle about covid19 and there are no captions so like you're saying there is need to ensure that all information that is packaged is uh inclusive and accessible to all groups right absolutely but then we've also seen social media playing a pivotal role in terms of information dissemination moving away a bit from the mainstream media um there are updates that come daily uh on our phones from the ministry of health and child care are those accessible do you think i think i think the challenge that we have with access to those updates is that they they are limited the PDF format that is used there is not accessible to persons with visual impairments who would like formats that would read 
you know when they you know activate them um i remember speaking to um one disability activist who actually said the updates that are sent the the pdf format is not you know convertible from text to audio so that in itself means that it's not accessible to everybody they have then to rely on others what is the update today what is going on today and and sometimes it's not um the best of ways to get accurate information you know how things get lost in right translation. right uh-huh. uh they can be just this exaggeration or somebody um interprets the information in a way that they shouldn't yet when we receive those updates we are just being told this is the, the you know these are the tests that we've done this is the number of positive tests these are the number of people that have that have recovered so that information coming from another party may actually then be not as accurate as it is if you read by yourself right so you know as we talk i'm trying to think how do we correct this because we also need to 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 factor in issues around data and all that how do we ensure that those daily updates are accessible to 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 everybody even to persons with disabilities straight up my videos straight up my audios what what can we do about that i think audios would be good um, if there is a way of making sure that the audio is authentic, that it can't be manipulated, right. that it cannot be, um, it can only be attributed to the Minister of Health and Child Care uh, to provide updates. But there is also creating um, readable formats that can convert from text to audio um, as they are actually developing and, and sending out the, the, the updates to the various media platforms. But I must say that there is we are making progress with regards to inclusion there is a sense that it can be done it is not expensive right it is you know the right thing to do make sure that whatever you do takes everyone into account right you know sign language for instance is one of the 16 official languages of the country so yes. there's need to ensure that if we communicate we also take it into into cognizance right absolutely um and then while we're still on information dissemination do you feel that persons with disabilities are aware of COVID-19 and also preventative measures. A random um, journey, a visual impairment, somewhere out there, coronavirus, What's, what do you think? I, I think by now, there has been um, maybe not really adequate information as we've not been able to measure accurately, but I think that we have made progress with regards to disseminating information. Firstly, the lockdown itself is um, very it's, its very frustrating. So obviously, if you are in a household, you would see people not going to work, not going out to do their you know daily activity. And so eventually you would be able to understand that, no, things are not normal. Zimbabwe is not normal. There's things that are going on. And um, there's also neighbors. We have been seeing that in rural areas, they've been making use of you know, they've been, you know, using that around the growth points, around shopping centers in rural areas to tell people about COVID-19, to tell people about um, the dangers and how to protect themselves. So I think to some extent, we do have um, information. It has been disseminated um, 
in rural areas and the people are still looking for more creative ways of sending out information. We know that a lot of persons with disabilities were on the street begging before the lockdown came. Uh, we had a number of deaf people in Harare who were selling airtime, selling CDs and all that. Now these have not been categorized as essential stuff. How do you think these people are managing in, in, in the wake of this lockdown that we are having, trying to, to, to curb the spread of COVID-19? I think a lot of there are a lot of challenges that persons with disabilities are facing right now, particularly understanding that even below before the lockdown, life was especially challenging for persons with disabilities, earning a livelihood from selling uh, petty ways on the streets is not easy in this current economic situation that we find ourselves in. Right. COVID-19 is just, you know, just showed us or really magnified the extent of the inequality um, that exists between persons with disabilities and those that are non-disabled in our community. The, the reason why you find a lot of persons with disabilities in the informal sector is because of the lack of education, the lack of equal educational opportunities mm -hmm. from primary school, secondary school, and higher education. Mm. You can actually tell me when you went to college how many persons with disabilities were in your stream. I, I, I think there was like two. Right. Stream. Yeah. Easy. And so take it to the next stream and just put two, 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 you know? Yeah. What that means is that the majority of persons with disabilities find themselves in the informal sector, which is very precarious, which is very unstable, which does not provide for security. Right. And in COVID-19, we have just seen the insecurity magnified. Access to food. Mm-hmm. Food insecurity is at its highest right now, because if you were selling, and you know we really thought ah, it's not my manje. You exactly. know, it's just yeah. You know, time got ah, three weeks at our mm. three weeks zikapera, life goes back to normal. Mm. Little did we know that it was gonna go on and on and on and on and on. And here we are, over a hundred days later, we are still under lockdown mm -hmm. with potential for a more you know, strict lockdown coming on because of the increase in cases. In cases, right. Yeah. So food insecurity has just um, been one of the major challenges. But I also think the reason why we are facing a lot of food insecurity among persons with disabilities is that we have a weak statistical basis for persons with disabilities, mm -hmm. for support that's given. We... At the beginning of the lockdown, we saw numbers that were provided to us uh, for persons with disabilities to register for food aid. Right. And I tell you that we did try. We sent those numbers to all our clients everywhere. And you know what happened? We were told that the list was full. Really? Yes. So a, a number of them came back to me and said, they told me that the list is full. Mm. The question is, the list is full. Who Who's is on the list? Right. You know. So I think one of the things that we need to look at is to earmark disability-specific support. Mm -hmm. As we have earmarked artists or creative specific, you know, specific support, we have support for sportsmen and women. Mm -hmm. We have support for the art sector. Why don't we create a specific you know, support for persons with disabilities as we are looking at providing food aid.
to persons with disabilities in this time. So we are not disaggregating by disability. Mm -hmm. If we say children have received, you know, electronic devices for them to be able or radio devices, how many of those children have disabilities? Right. How many of the people with disabilities have received food? Mm -hmm. Where? By what disability type? Mm -hmm. We need to begin and it's to out collect. Of how many, right? The Absolutely. What is that? Right now, the percentage is whatever you want it to be. Right now, mm -hmm. the World Health Organization estimates fifteen percent of the population in low-income countries has a disability. Right. In Zimbabwe, our stats are saying between seven to ten percent. Mm -hmm. So, if we underestimate, we are also going to under provide mm -hmm. and we'll celebrate a mediocre probably absolutely right? because we have left out a whole lot of people because our statistics are very flawed mm. so we need to start there and when you look at the crpd one of the things that comes out is the collection of disability statistics right and even in when you're looking at the 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 sustainable development goals you know data is very important mm -hmm. without it we are likely to have very very you know programs that we think are inclusive but actually exclude persons with disabilities right um and just like you've mentioned that uh, it's it's something that is in the convention on the rights of persons with disabilities so just moving a little bit away from covid 19 a question i would have is do you think persons with disabilities are adequately represented in decision making bodies do we have enough um legislators do we have enough in terms of um our representation in the cabinet uh, for disability do you think issues are coming out i don't i don't think that persons with disabilities are fully you know represented in in all decision making you know aspects from looking let's let's take it from the grassroots the word right to the national i would think that we have a very poor representation of persons with disabilities but the challenge that we have the most right now is we have a burden a high burden of representation two senators three mm -hmm. if we include honorable malinga, malinga yes Three senators representing 15% of the population. Right. That is too few. And as Dev Simapo Trust, because we realize that the burden of representation is very high on those senators that are there. And look at the place where they are. The Senate. Mm -hmm. You know, where lawmaking actually initiates usually from the National Assembly. And therefore, we really need to think about um, where we place them. But one of the things that we need to think about, which is we've been talking about even in this constitutional amendment um, bill that's been going around, is firstly, if we ensure, as we have done with the women's movement, that in every setting, if we have a group of leaders, mm -hmm. at least 10% should have persons with disabilities. Look at those 60 women in the proportional representation. If we had say 10%, it means that we would have six women with disabilities representing women. Right. If for the youth seats that are being talked about, 10% should have a disability. Right. The issue starts in the way in which we have valued or devalued persons with disabilities in our country. That has resulted 
in us thinking that ah we will talk on behalf of persons with disabilities mm -hmm. and we don't give them a voice mm -hmm. to be able to articulate issues by themselves so there's for themselves so there's need to to enhance the, the the inclusion of persons with disabilities right definitely but look at the way let's start at the political party um manifesto for instance mm -hmm. i looked with interest at the political party manifestos of 2018 mm -hmm. all of them had something to do with disability mm -hmm. the challenge was the paradigm in which they were looking at disability right many were welfareists mm -hmm. we will do for persons who told you that people with disabilities want you to do for them right empowerment empowerment model is what we're looking for about how many years since the the, the constitution which is no longer new right it's 2013 2013 we adopt a new constitution mm -hmm. up until 2020 we have not domesticated the crpd mm -hmm. we have not you know aligned the the the, the persons with this the disabled persons act Yet, right to the crpd mm -hmm. to the constitution that is a clear sign of a lack of political will mm -hmm. and a desire to stay in the welfare model saka pachine basa rekuti mitemo yedu iburitse nyaya disability mitemo yedu ikanaka tinova nepekutsika tine foundation yekuti kana mitemo yedu yakanaka tine foundation yekushandisa kana takuti kodzero idzi Zirukurasika, zirukutambwa nato. But as long as our laws are very regressive and they are still archaic and outdated, still 1992, we have moved globally. The trends in the sector, accessibility issues have moved with the times, but our laws have remained stagnant. That is why you find we still think that the welfare mode works and that's why you find when a person with a disability applies for a job and they find out that they have a disability on the day of the interview, you are as good as not hired even before you get into that interview. Because they would have thought, ah, your CV was so good, we didn't realize that you had a disability. You know, that's the language that's used. Mm. I would have wanted us to continue talking about uh, the issue of the law. This is a this is quite a serious topic. But I want us to move a bit and talk about um, yesterday. Cabinet set and one of the resolutions. But we shouldn't also forget the fact that children are learning from home right now. I know Deaf Zimbabwe Trust um, had issues around that, around radio lessons. What's happening in terms of persons with disabilities? Are they also having access to radio lessons? I think there's some that may have, may be having access to radio lessons, mm -hmm. but the numbers, because our statistics are not good and accurate, we are not able to say how many children with disabilities are actually benefiting from alternative learning platforms that have been created. Mm. And because we do not have the accurate statistics, we are going to use anecdotal evidence right. to say, okay, if most of our children with disabilities, say 70% of them 
reside in rural areas. What are the chances that they have a radio? Right. Possibly very slim. Very slim, right. And the parents who are struggling with livelihood activities, would they have time to actually sit and say, I want to be teaching my child from that time to that time? Mm -hmm. Chances are very slim. That's not happening. So the challenge that we're having is that we have made alternative learning platforms that are not accessible to all children. Mm -hmm. Children who are deaf are actually not able to just access radio lessons because they are audio in nature. Right. Apatorina access. And it's just like that. And we have how many children who are deaf in our country? If we go by the statistics that we've been given by Zimsters in 2012, we have 219,000 plus or minus 300,000. Mm -hmm. Make that 65% of that are below 18. If we use national statistics to make inferences, right. we are going to then say that. This means that the majority of our learners who are deaf have been excluded mm -hmm. by nature of the alternative ways that we have chosen. We could have used other methods that are not radio as a combination. Mm -hmm. For example, if we say that children learn in the area that they reside in, study packs to pick up learning material, the teacher leaves them outside, the parents pick up, take them home, do the work, bring them back after a week, and they are marked, and that goes on and on and on like that. The chances of discontinuing education would be reduced. Mm -hmm. Television lessons, I've said to be, uh, you know, they're saying they're recording them. My challenge with that is that are we not duplicating? Right. When we did the radio lessons, could we not have just done the, the, the TV lessons then? But now you use the same result. It's like you're doing a process twice. Right. Yet inclusion is not as, as, as expensive as people make it out to be if we are strategic about planning. Mm -hmm. When you do your program, just make sure it's inclusive. It is, it is a radio con component and a TV And a television component. component. Right. And a pickup component mm -hmm. for those that are not able to make use of the, you know, the, 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 the platforms that you are on. Mm -hmm. So if you are going to make sure that every child is included, you create alternatives mm -hmm. that will, so that parents can choose. Children with intellectual or psychosocial disabilities will not be able to follow the radio programs mm -hmm. because the issues of concentration span, the issues of attention span, right. the issues of I want to see the person I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. Therefore, study packs would make sense right. for learners with certain disabilities. Mm. Think about pacing. The radio lesson is a generic one at a generic pace. Mm. Does that pace apply to all learners? And is there a chance of getting feedback from the learner, right? Uh, just to see how they're doing. With Absolutely. How do you think persons with disabilities are doing psychologically in, in the wake of this disaster that we are in? Are they getting support? Are they getting counseling? Is anyone, is anyone telling them what's happening? Is anyone who's communicating? I think I think in the homes parents are doing a lot of work, but COVID nineteen in its work has left mental health issues. Like I said in the beginning, issues of isolation, mm -hmm. issues of loneliness, 
for deaf children and deaf adults when they were in the spaces where they were selling or in the schools that is where people that could communicate with them were now in the home it's unbelievable but parents live with children that they don't know how to talk to mm. and they are not making an effort to learn the child's language right and that child is in that home lonely isolated i can't begin to tell you brian how many parents sent us messages at dzt saying please tell me how do i tell my child this mm. and we were to sign videos to say this is how you sign it for you Imagine. to give instruction and then the child was grown right in that space mm. so loneliness isolation mental health issues very very prevalent psychosocial support is very necessary in times like we are mm. and looking for alternative avenues of providing psychosocial support which are not face to face which are online but look at the cost of data right that also becomes a barrier to accessing certain services mm. so there's a lot that we need to do as a country in thinking inclusion there's a lot indeed and uh finally how do people get in touch with Deaf Zimbabwe Trust. I'm sure that people want to get in touch with you. They want to know how they can also get assistance. Um, how do they get in touch with you? Deaf Zimbabwe Trust currently is working um, outside our offices, but we are available. Um, I am going. I was, you know, I was used to the, our our landline, right? <laughs> but unfortunately, if you do our landline, you may not be able to get us. But we are using this this number zero seven one three double one six eight nine five you can catch us on that number can you repeat it again zero seven one three mm -hmm. double one six eight nine five we are also available on zero seven eight five three nine two six nine eight and one thing I'd want to mention is you work with all disabilities, not just uh, people who are deaf, Definitely, right? definitely. We work with all disabilities. And before I, 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 I go out of here, we are doing a donator wheelchair campaign. Okay. We have so many, so many. Our radio programs have um, created a lot of um, you know knowledge about. And there's so many requests for wheelchairs. If you have an old wheelchair, if you have a wheelchair you're not using, there is someone that would be able to benefit from that wheelchair. We're doing a wheelchair um, campaign, you know. Wheelchairs are very expensive in Zimbabwe. And that is something that we need to, to give to someone, a gift of mobility. As we conclude, I just want to share the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful to be honorable, to be compassionate, and to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we had for Wiseon. Thank you so much, Barbara, for joining us this, um, ev this evening. Thank you, Brian. It was my pleasure. Great. Join us again next week for another episode of Wiseon, the show for the youth and the youth at heart. I'm your host, Brian Malvin K. Sitole. For now, it's Goodbye, stay safe, COVID-19 is real. We've got the stars and we've got the power. Your station for all the hits.
proudly Zimbabwean. Proudly CFM Stereo.